Hi, this is a trigger warning to let you know that today I'm speaking with the Red Nose organisation and the subject of stillbirths is discussed. Hi, I'm Vicky Ann, Director and Founder of Creative Recruiters, and this is the Creative Studio Insider Podcast. My special guest today is Justin Mansfield. Justin is the Project Manager for Stillbirth Awareness Campaign and the Project Manager for SMS for Dads at Red Nose Australia. Welcome to our podcast, Justin. Thanks, Vicky Ann. How are you enjoying our newfound freedom in Melbourne? Oh, look, it's fantastic. Uh, I live uh, in the western suburbs and we've got such amazing Vietnamese and other food around here that it's been such a treat. You know, the thing I've enjoyed the most is just getting out and be able to eat again. Yeah, exactly. And did you did you have any new hobbies that that um, that you took up whilst we were in lockdown? Look, I'm a little bit sad on that front, to be honest. I sort of <laughs> probably my hobbies were dog walking and bike riding, and that's about it. <laughs> I took up the guitar, and you know, when I when I was playing guitar when I was much much younger, I I remember being really good, and I'm really not that good anymore so it's going to take a while I think no well you know hopefully give it a give it a little bit more time hopefully no more lockdowns and you'll be you know banging out smoke on the water well that's what I hope um let's start with you telling our listeners a bit about your creative um career journey that has brought you to your current role at Red Nose Organisation yeah, look, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. Um, I started off life working as a finished artist. Um, my first job was in 1991, straight out of uni. Um, and the, the, the studio that I worked for at the time was a, um, a promotional packaging sort of uh, basically studio. Um, I really enjoyed the, I guess, the technical side of, of life as a finished artist. That was the thing that, that most in, enthused me. And I sort of, I, when I came into the, into the job, it was around that time when Macs were actually just starting out to be, you know, things within the industry. So um, I, I remember paste up, I did paste up, um, but at the same time, I also, uh, you know, I learned my skills and I, I did my first work on a Mac as well. So. Um, from there, um, I sort of moved through a couple of other roles in, in similar sort of finished artist space. Um, but then, as I said, I sort of, the, the technical side really appealed to me. So that's when I decided that production management was something that, you know, I'd look forward to being involved in, um, talking to printers, you know, talking to, to clients about their needs and requirements, um, things that really interested me and um you know so from production i then also made the migration into studio management um i guess it's a sort of a natural fit for a lot of agencies that if you have um somebody in a production role that they can also potentially fill that studio management role um worked in those roles and and look i won't bore you i guess with my entire work career but um, over the, the 25, 30 odd years that I've been involved in sort of creative industries, um, as I said, I started off as a finished artist. I've, I've pretty much done most things that you can do. Um, I've 
worked as a writer. Um, I've worked in client service. Uh, I've been operations manager of, of uh, a couple of high profile brand studios. So um, yeah, look, I love basically working in this sector. It's really interesting to me. You meet some fascinating people and you do some really good stuff. Mm. And speaking of good stuff, tell us about your current roles. Um, you've got you've got two um, two areas: the Still mm. Awareness campaign and the SMS for Dads. Perhaps tell us about both of those campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, uh, about five years ago, as I said, I sort of I started off working in the studio and the creative space. About five years ago, I made a conscious decision to move into the not-for-profit sector. Um, and I really wanted to apply, I guess, the skills that I'd built up through creative agencies, um, those soft skills, those, you know, uh, strategy, uh, writing, um, content, for example. And I really wanted to bring that across to something that I felt could really make a big deal of difference in people's lives. So. Um, as I said, I moved into the not-for-profit space about five years ago. I'm currently working at Red Nose. I mean, people probably, Red Nose is one of the more higher profile not-for-profits. Um, people are probably aware of Red Nose Day. It's been running for about, you know, 30 odd years, um, raises a great deal of money and has done a great, you know, made amazing impact in terms of, um, you know, reducing the number of, um, of, of you know, young children who die suddenly unexpectedly. Um, so Red Nose, I guess, is um, has two key uh, missions. So the first one is to, as I said, to um, it's prevention. So it's about making sure that that Australian families and Australian children get the best possible advice, get the best possible research, get the best possible support to um, you know, ensure that, that we don't have or we reduce the number of um, you know, incidents and accidents and deaths that happen um, during pregnancy, during early childhood. Um, so the, one of the campaigns that I'm involved in um, is the Stillbirth Awareness Campaign. And the, I guess stillbirth is one of Australia's hidden tragedies. Um, people don't realise, I guess, the, the scope and the, the enormity um, that stillbirth creates within Australian society. Um, we think about the road toll as being something that's incredibly difficult, um, creates a lot of trauma for, you know, for families and for, for you know, society. But um, what people don't actually realise is that the number of babies who are stillborn in Australia every year is double the annual road toll. Um, there's over 2,000 babies who are stillborn and that's 2,000 families who are affected every year. Um, not just the parents, but you know, siblings, um, grandparents, people who really feel that impact. So Australia's stillbirth rate is among the highest in the developed world. Um, and there's recently been, you know, when I say recently, I mean in the last probably three or four years, there's been a, a real concerted push from the federal government and from um, a lot of, you know, organisations such as Red Nose 
to reduce that rate. So um, recently the federal government funded Red Nose and other organisations, the Stillbirth Foundation, SANS Australia, the Centre of Research Excellence into Stillbirth, uh, funded those organisations to produce um, an awareness uh, and, a, and a risk reduction campaign that would help reduce that number of stillbirths. So essentially that's what I've been working on. Well, we started in about February of last year, but then COVID obviously got in the way. Um, we ideally would have launched our campaign in May of last year, but um, you know, with, with COVID happening, all of Australia was in lockdown at that time. Um, there really wasn't the bandwidth that we needed to cut through to people. Um, so a decision was made to sort of pause the campaign and then pick it up again once COVID became less of an issue. So we effectively launched our campaign activity in February of this year. Uh, and we've just actually wrapped up phase three of, of our campaign, which is our last phase. Uh, and the final activity for that is just happening this week. And may I ask why, you know, is there a, a scientific theory as to why Australia has the highest stillbirth? Look, that's a really good question. Uh, obviously, I'm not a scientist or a medico, but, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot about this issue since I've been involved in it. I guess there are a few things that, that people could point to about why stillbirth is... Um, you know, more of an issue in Australia than it is in some other countries. Um, firstly, is around um, education. So it's about, I guess it's about normalising the conversation about stillbirth. Um, we all know, for example, that, that you know, when, when a woman is pregnant, she shouldn't eat soft cheese or she shouldn't eat um, salami, for example, because there's, there's that known risk factor about listeria. Um, but listeria, when you look at the actual science of it and the data behind it, um, because it's known so well, it's, it's really, it's a non-issue. Um, people are aware, people understand what they can do and what they shouldn't do. So to, I guess to, um, to look at the context of stillbirth, there are some certain risk factors around stillbirth. Unfortunately, not all stillbirths are preventable. And that's something that, um, you know, that research continues on. Um, but there are, there are certain medical conditions, there are certain things that underlie, there are things that, you know, a mother or a father can't influence, sadly, that, that will mean that, you know, a certain number of babies will be stillborn. However, what we do know is that um, there are things that parents can do, mums can do, dads can do, those around them can do, that can help reduce the risk. Um, there are things like uh, sleeping on your side after 28 weeks of pregnancy that helps um, reduce, sorry, sorry that, that stops the reduction of, uh, of blood to the placenta. So when you sleep on your back, what it does is it compresses the blood vessels that supply the baby and supply the placenta. So sleeping on your side helps combat that. Um, not smoking. I mean, it's something that 
you know, we've all talked about for a long time, but, um, you know, there's still, a, there's still a number of people, obviously, who do smoke. Um, there's, um, you know, a lot of research around the fact that when you smoke, when you're pregnant, that has, you know, that has an outcome that, you know, is more likely to lead to stillbirth. Um, and, uh, and probably the key thing as well is that uh, mums should also, pregnant mums, should also be aware of what their baby's movements are like. So if you're a mum and you'll notice, you'll you'll learn over time that your baby has a regular pattern of movement, um, any changes in that movement potentially are a sign of concern. So we're also encouraging mums to... um, when they notice those changes to make sure that they get medical attention as quickly as they can. Um, So there are three key factors that we're hoping to convey with this campaign. They're things that have been sort of done well in other countries. If you look at some of the leading countries in the area, they're they're countries like the Netherlands, Scotland, Norway. Um, They've campaigned on these issues. They've you know, they're things that are now well understood within those societies. So we're hoping to ensure that we can get the same thing happening in Australia, um, which can make a, a real sizable, you know, proven data-driven impact into reducing the numbers of stillbirths. Look, thank you so much for sharing that. I understand, of course, that you know, you're not a you're not the expert, but you have you. you I, I know that our listeners. Um, we're, we're, we're wanting to ask that question for sure. So I really, really appreciate you asking it. Um, what a wonderful campaign. Um, and SMS for Dads, what, what's this? Yeah, so SMS for Dads is a, it's a really innovative and interesting uh, service that's, um, you know, it's actually just recently been launched nationwide across Australia. So um, when you're an expectant dad, it can be hard to find the information that you need. I mean, dads, you know, dads like mums and like all parents really want to know what they can do that has the greatest possible impact for them, for their partner and for their baby. Um, but, but being a dad, <laughs> being, being a dad, um, you know, often, you know, men don't talk about things easily. They, they're, they're not as conversant. They're not as, you know, uh, happy to have those conversations around pregnancy, around uh, becoming a father, around fatherhood and what that means. So SMS for Dads is, is a way that men can actually access information about being a, being a parent, um, supporting your partner and supporting your child through, as the name suggests, through text messages. So dads sign up to SMS for Dads. They um, they give their phone number, they give some details about themselves, about their, their baby when the baby is due. And um, through the course of pregnancy and through early childhood, dads will receive text messages on a regular basis saying things like, you know, um, giving uh, an update about baby's development for example it's like dad you know i can hear you talk now so 
even though I'm still in mum's belly, go ahead and talk to me because I can recognise your voice, things like that. Um, so, look, it's a, it's a really good way to, um, I guess, enable that connection between the dad and their baby and their partner. Um, and as I said, it's, it's recently been launched Australia-wide. Um, we're hoping it's going to make a really big splash. Red Nose is part of a, a larger group who are supporting this program that's being run out of the University of Newcastle. Um, and uh, look, you know, I'd certainly encourage if you're a dad and you want to um, uh, join up for the service, then just jump on to SMS, SMS number four dads.com.au and you can sign up. Wow. How lucky are you to be part of two such incredible campaigns? Look, I mean, the, this is the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning, Vicky Ann. Um, you know, as I said, I've, I've worked in the creative field for probably you know, close to 30 odd years. And um, I've done a lot of things over that course of time. I've, I've worked on some amazing clients and really high profile clients, but to see that impact that you can have um, directly on people's lives through things like the Stillbirth Campaign or SMS for Dads is just so gratifying. I can only imagine. Is it difficult for um, a not-for-profit to compete and get heard amongst all the other organisations competing for attention and donations? Yeah, look, it, it, it totally is. And look, I've worked in a number of comms roles within not-for-profits um, prior to the roles that I currently hold within Red Nose. And, um, yeah, I think that's certainly that's certainly a major issue, just... just cutting through that clutter, um, particularly when you're, you know, Red Nose is, is a well-known organisation. And so when you, when you call someone and say, hey, I'm from Red Nose, that's, you know, that's very positive because they've most likely heard of Red Nose and they're aware of some of the things that we do and some of the missions that we have. Um, but, you know, I've worked in other smaller not-for-profits, for example, which have dealt with, um, you know, dealt with uh, disability or dealt with, um, uh, you know, chronic disease. And for those organisations that don't have a high profile, um, yeah, look, it's, it's a constant, constant sort of, you know, day-to-day -day struggle to, to get recognition, to get, um, to raise funds, to uh, put that story out through the media, through you know, to the public in ways that can touch people and sort of, you know, interest them in the work that you're doing. You've spoken about the campaigns. I can hear how proud you are of them. Is there a particular project or a particular campaign that really stands out for you? Look, I, look I'd say that the, the, the one that I'm most proud of is probably the stillbirth awareness campaign, as I said, that we've been working on and, and has recently just sort of finalised its, uh, its the last of the activities in phase three. Um, I've been really, you know, really look, glad is, I don't want to sound glib because stillbirth is obviously a very fraught topic. Um, it's something that touches a lot of people, it, it, you know, 
the trauma that it does create is what we're trying to, um, you know, to combat, obviously. But the, the work that's been done within both Red Nose and also through our creative agency who we've been partnering with, um, I'm incredibly proud of. And uh, our creative agency has also been awarded um, with a number of, uh, of high profile awards through, for example, the, the Sabre um, Asia Pacific Awards. Um, currently, they're also um, in the mix for some uh, PR Institute Awards here in Australia. So I think that there's been a lot of recognition um, about the quality of the work that's been done. Um, it's also really the first time, as I said, that Australia has tackled this issue head on. So um, we're sort of, you know, we're, we're, I guess you look at some of the, the, the cause related marketing that has really cut through over the previous few years. I mean, one of the great ones that people like to refer to is the, the ice bucket challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, people, everyone knows the ice bucket challenge. Um, people know that that refers to motor neurone disorder. Um, Neil Danaher's foundation, Fight FND, has also obviously picked that up with the big freeze. Um, so there's some really high profile stuff that's been happening. But as we all know, when you're launching a creative campaign or when you're launching an awareness campaign, you don't simply go from zero to 100 in you know, the space of a week or the space, the space of a month. You, you have to get that consciousness awareness. You have to get that um, you know, constant repetition in the public space for people to, to understand the message. Uh, so this Stillbirth campaign, as I said, started back in February. Um, we are wrapping up the third phase of it currently. There is a hope that it will continue. Um, that will be contingent, I guess, on potential funding sources for that moving forward. But from what we've achieved from obviously having had no understanding of the issue or limited understanding of the issue throughout you know throughout the, the the target market that we're looking at which essentially is um younger women those likely to become pregnant those likely to be fathers um to go from there where there was limited understanding to where we are at the moment in the space of you know six or seven months has been just outstanding if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? Ooh, society in general. Um, that's a really good question. I, I think, um, I guess with the experience that I've had in working with uh, an organisation that, um, that worked with people with disability, um, I'd like to advocate for a more inclusive society. Um, and, you know, not just from the point of view of, um, of people um, being accepted for who they are and, and where they come from, but a society that, that encourages opportunity rather than just pays lip service to it. Justin, this has just been such a wonderful conversation. Um, the work that you're doing is incredible. Um, 
I I'm so grateful that you've shared to the extent that you have, and I have absolutely no doubt that our um, podcast listeners today have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Vicky Ann. It's been a pleasure. You take care. I'll talk to you again. You too. Bye. See you.